Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I remember my brother, since he's not here, I can talk about him now. The first time that he was in the presence of the Lord, he lost it. I mean, he was just, couldn't control himself, sobbing deeply, almost like he was in convulsions. And even at Parkway, some of the ushers were concerned about him. So they came to him and we're gonna at least take him to the back of the church and I'll never forget what he said. He said, if you have to move me, move me. But don't take me out of the presence of the Lord. I think that it's possible after a number of years of serving God that we can get used to things. We can get used to the presence of God. We can get used to good worship or even good preaching. And we don't take the time to really get a hold of God and say, don't take me out of your presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Even Jacob said, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I knew it not. Don't take the presence of the Lord for granted. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father, he'll give you another comforter. Everybody said comforter. Everybody needs a comforter. And I'm not talking about the thing that's on top of your bed. I'm talking about somebody that can comfort you in tough times. That he will abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him. For he dwelleth with you. And he shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I know that there are a lot of translations of the Bible coming out now. I still prefer prefer the old King James. I know it's a bit harder to read, but there's a footnote next to the word comfortless in the King James, and it says, Orphans. I will not leave you as orphans, as comfortless people. I will come to you. And today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. From an orphanage to a mansion. An orphanage to a mansion. God bless you. You may be seated. When I think of comfortless, I think of being alone in my own sorrows. Not everything that happens in this world is good. Not everything that happens to us is necessarily good. We lose loved ones. There are broken relationships. There is sickness in the world. There is trouble in the world. Who's going to comfort the comfortless? and especially the orphans. 
I want to tell you a story about a man by the name of Joseph. He was the 11th of 12 sons, but he was the favorite son of Jacob. Jacob favored this because he was the firstborn of Rachel. And he made him a coat and showed favoritism to Joseph. That's probably a mistake, and I know as parents we try to treat all of our kids equally, but in this case, it appears that Jacob kind of overdid it when it came to Joseph and showed him favoritism. Every time they even saw him, he was wearing a garment that was unlike any of the other brothers. It was obvious that he got favoritism with tasks and responsibilities. And even if he had dreams, everybody was made to listen to Joseph's dreams. Others that might have had dreams could have been dismissed, but because Joseph was the favorite son, he must be heard. Their family was certainly dysfunctional because of this. There was hatred in this godly family, these tribes of Israel that came from the loins of Jacob, still dysfunctional, couldn't get along, didn't respect one another properly. The fact that Joseph had dreams and was willing to share his dreams only made the situation worse and he didn't seem to learn very quickly from his mistakes. Maybe he should have kept his dreams to himself But Jacob had previously been a dreamer himself. And so he had great respect, even more respect for Joseph when he heard the dreams that his son had. One day the hatred became so great between Joseph and his brothers that when his father sent him out on a menial task and they saw him coming from a distance, they thought about killing him. Let's just kill the dreamer and be rid of him once and for all. And we'll say that some beast or something carried him away. But the eldest son would have to be responsible for anything that happened to Joseph. So Reuben said, no, we can't do that. I I will not accept responsibility for that action. So what are we gonna do with him? Let's throw him in a pit, a place where there's no food and no water none of the necessities of life, a place of darkness, a place of heat and warmth. We're already on a desert. What's it like to be in the earth in warm weather? If we leave him there long enough, he might die on his own. But while they contemplated how they were gonna finally be rid of this dreamer, along came a band of Ishmaelites on camels. And one of the brothers came to the great idea Why don't we just sell him? Why don't we make a little money off of the deal, put him on a camel, send him to Egypt where he'll never be heard of again, where we'll never have to listen to his dreams, where there'll be no more favoritism. Perhaps one of us will rise and be one of the favorites of Jacob. Here's our chance to be rid of our brother. And so they did. They sold him to the Ishmaelites took the money, took his garments, poured blood on it and made it look like he'd had some kind of an accident that had killed him. And Jacob was never the same after he 
lost Joseph. He said that he would go to his grave over the loss of Joseph. But if we look at it from Joseph's position, he became an orphan that day. There will be no going home tonight. There'll be no mama and no papa. There'll be no family and there'll be no friends. There's no special bedroom or special meals. You are now in a country where you can't speak the language. You don't know where you're gonna live day to day. Any occupational skills that you have are now worthless. You are truly an orphan. I can't imagine what it would be like to just be pulled out of the United States, thrown into another country where you can't speak the language with nothing going for you. That would truly be, in the truest sense, an orphan. It would be understandable if your parents were killed in a car accident, but to be sold out by your own brothers, now that's gonna be tough to live with. And if you're not careful, you can get a spirit about you that says, one day there will be payback. That comes with anger because of the orphanage that you have been moved to called Potiphar's house. But Joseph was a great, great, great man of God. He knew his dreams. He believed God was gonna bring them to pass. And in spite of all that happened to him, he kept his spirit. If I'm gonna be a slave, then I'm gonna be the best slave that Potiphar's ever had. And because of his attitude, God now became a father to him and showed him favor in Potiphar's house. And before blessing, you must have favor. But after blessing, after favor, you'll always have blessing. And so everything that Joseph did in Potiphar's house caused him to increase, and Potiphar noticed it right away. And pretty soon he promotes this young man, and he becomes overseer of everything in the house, even Potiphar's finances. It seems like things are going pretty good now. He's learning the language. He knows his place. He can see God's favor in his life. But then Potiphar's wife comes along, tries to tempt him to commit a sin with her, but he refuses. And you would think that because you do the right thing, you would be even more blessed. But in this case, he was falsely accused of rape and back to the pit he goes. I can't think of a, a, a very many crimes that a person could commit that would be any worse than rape. We've got a rapist in here to try to take advantage of an Egyptian woman. His name is Joseph. He's right over there. He's not going to be very popular in prison. And right back to his second orphanage, Joseph goes from one pit to another pit. Sometimes just because you do the right thing, you don't always see the blessing initially. 
Somebody preach with me today. But it's coming. You keep doing the right thing even if you're not rewarded. Even if you're falsely accused. Even if you feel like nobody's with you. Nobody is on my side. Nobody will stand up for me. I didn't do anything wrong. You don't hear any of that from Joseph. You just see him back in the pit again with the same attitude he had when he went to Potiphar's house. If I'm going to be in prison, then I'm going to be a model prisoner. Everything that the man in charge tells me to do, I'll do it the first time. Pretty soon, here comes that favor on him again, the favor of God. And then it spreads to the jailer, and pretty soon he's running the jail. Wherever he goes, he just keeps getting promoted. But he still is an orphan. The end of this story is that he has an opportunity to pay his brothers back for what they did to him. But because of his attitude, he says these words, you thought to do these things to my harm, but God brought them for good. God allowed this to happen in my life because he would see that one day the dreamer would be able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams And because he could interpret Pharaoh's dreams and warn him of the famine, all of Israel would be saved because of one orphan. One orphan. And when he had a chance to pay back his brothers, he did not. He hugged their necks and he invited them to share in all that he had. I realize that there are lots of things that we go through in life that are not always easy for us and difficult and we wonder why. But I remember being a young man at Parkway and singing a song, farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. So cheer up my brother, live in the sunshine, we'll understand it all by and by. We don't understand sometimes why we go through what we go through. Can I get an amen? But all things are working together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Psalm 75 and verse six says, for promotion cometh neither from the east or the west or from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he lifts up another. It meant salvation to those that wronged him. I've also realized something in preaching a number of Father's Day and Mother's Day messages. Not everybody had good parents. Not everybody had Ozzy and Harriet or June and Ward Cleaver from Leave it to Beaver as parents, you know, the kind where the guy goes to work every day in a suit and tie, and he comes home looking fresh as a daisy. His wife has dinner on the table. She looks like she's ready to go out to some special place in the evening. She's all dressed up, looks great. 
Every, the house is completely immaculate. Everything is in place. Kind of idealistic, isn't it? Is it that way in your home? Probably not. Probably not. And so sometimes we can get a false impression. We can get a false impression from the positive, and we can also get a false impression from the negative that we see on television these days about what a home ought to be about how a house ought to be run or maintained. Be careful. We need to stay within the confines of the word of God for model families. That's where we need to get our cue from. Not from television, Ozzie and Harriet on one side or wrong on the other. We need to stay in the model of the word of God for our families. Because... I am talking today, I'm almost there with my foundation. I'm talking today that to people that may have come from a divorced home. I may be talking today to people that have been abused by their parents or their brother or their sister. Their home was not a safe place. It was an abusive place. I'm talking to people that may have seen their, their mother and their father fight verbally, throw dishes, say terrible things to one another, maybe even hit on one another. It's not always good. And when the divorces take place and when the fighting takes place, it hurts the kids most of all because they think that they're maybe contributing to the situation. It becomes very difficult. And sometimes when there's a divorce, children begin to feel just a little bit like orphans. This week I'm staying with mom, next week I'm staying with dad. I don't know what's gonna happen during the summer. I really don't know where I live, I don't know where I belong. I don't know who cares about me because everybody cares so much about themselves that they don't care about their kids. Just sit there and watch TV and stay out of my way because I got stuff to do. Is it possible with that kind of an attitude and a mentality that we are promoting orphanages instead of homes? That we are telling them as long as they don't get in trouble with the law, as long as they don't get in our time schedule, it's okay if they live with us. Is that all there is to a home and a family? How would you feel if you were that particular child? Or what about addictions? What about parents that are alcoholics or drug addicts? How does that make the child feel? Insecure underappreciated, and added weight to a family. We can end up feeling like orphanage, orphans in orphanages. It's a difficult way to live. And then we're concerned that it will happen to us, that the pattern has been established, that there are such things as generational curses, 
My father was an alcoholic, therefore I will be an alcoholic and my children will be alcoholics. I don't believe that. I don't believe that because your parents were one thing that you have to be the same thing. I believe that God heals. I believe that God delivers. I, go, I believe that God creates new creatures. We can break the curse. I believe what we just sang today about all those songs and how great our God is. I believe in the great I am, not just the great I was. Not just the great I will be, but the great I am because we need a comforter and we need a comforter right now. Right now. <clears throat> now let me spin this because this is where I really want to go with this message. I believe that the church is God's house. I believe that we have a father who doesn't abuse his wife who's not an addict, who truly loves his children, provides, protects, embraces, works with them on a daily basis. I believe that the church of the living God is the family that God intended for us all along. And even if you didn't have a good family life, when you came into the church, you came into the family of God. You came in to be brothers and sisters in Christ that truly love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and truly care about one another. I believe you came into a family that if you come to an altar and people can sense there's something on you, you're going through a trial or a struggle, they'll gather around you. They'll lay hands on you. They'll pray for you. They'll encourage you. They'll take you out to dinner. They'll spend time with you. How can I help you? What can I do to bless you? That's what a family does. I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. The family of God. I feel bad for people that don't have any natural family or any friends that they can't, the only ones they got are the ones they can buy. That was the way it was with the prodigal. When he went out on his own and the money was gone, so were his friends. And now he felt like a orphan. He didn't have a place to sleep, didn't have regular meals, didn't have anybody that cared for him. But he knew. He knew how it was in his father's house. Aren't you glad to be in your father's house today? In your father's house today. In your father's house, you're going to find provision. In your father's house, you're going to find protection. In your father's house, you're going to find people that genuinely love and care for you. Because you see, God is our father and the church is our mother. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And I have to be totally honest with you. I feel closer to most of the people in this church than I did to my earthly family. Relatives, aunts and uncles and all that stuff that you got together with on holidays. I really didn't know them. But I, I like to think I know most of you. And I enjoy being with you. And I trust you. Does that mean you're all perfect and that I'm perfect? Nope. We make mistakes. 
Sometimes we say the wrong thing, we do the wrong thing. But if we're truly Christians, and I said if we're truly Christians, when we realize we've offended, we make it right. We apologize. We ask for forgiveness. We give forgiveness. Somebody preach with me today. This is a family, folks. An imperfect family with a perfect model that starts with parenting. God and the church. Look at this, John 15 and 16. John 15 and 16. Oh, this is so encouraging. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, and whatsoever you shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you. Here's what I want. You love one another. Now if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Do you know what the difference is between an orphan and a natural born child? The orphan has been chosen. I've told you that story so many times that I'm not gonna tell you again. But the one that's adopted into the family oftentimes has a much greater appreciation for the, what the other one takes for granted. We are chosen. Galatians chapter four, verse three. Even so, when you were children, you were in bondage to the elements of the world. Galatians four and three, verse four. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption the adoption of sons. And now because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then heir of God through Christ. Aren't you glad to be chosen? Aren't you glad to no longer be called a servant, but a son? There's a big difference between a servant and a son. A servant might be a slave, or a servant might be hired and paid. But a son, oh, that one gets all the benefits and all the inheritance where the servant gets none of that. I'm glad to be a son of God. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. I hope we don't take this for granted. I came from an orphanage, but now I'm in a house, the house of God, and I don't deserve any of it. I haven't earned any of it. Let me, let me throw this in so that everybody understands. You have not earned this salvation. It's not because you're a good guy. It's not because you finally got your act together. It's not because you've overcome some habits in your life. 
You're in here by the grace of God. But for the grace of God, there you go, just like everybody else in the world. You're in here by the grace of God and by the mercy of God. You should be thankful to be adopted into the family of God and never take it for granted or ever look down your nose at somebody that is fatherless, somebody preach with me today, that has no family. Here they come and they're gonna come in here. They're gonna keep coming and they're they're gonna look rough and they're probably gonna talk rough and they're they're gonna try really hard not to swear in front of you and you're gonna smell it on them. That's the world. That's the orphanage that they're used to. But when they come in here, you remember, that's where you came from. And but for the mercy and the grace of God, that's what you'd be. And you welcome them with open arms. Welcome to the family of God. So glad you're here today. Please just enjoy the presence of God. Maybe we can go out and have a bite to eat eat after church together. I'd really like to get to know. Be extending as a family to orphans because such were some of you. Read about it here. First Peter chapter two, you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, sounds pretty good. You're a holy nation, you're a peculiar people, that's all good. That you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, that's the orphanage. In time past, you were not a people. What do you mean we're not a people? You didn't have any parents. You didn't have any family. You didn't have a whole lot going for you. But now, but now, You're the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. John 14 and 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. And finally, let me read this to you. Because some of us did copy our parents for a while. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit. What does that have to do with anything? It has to do with being a child. Inheritance is something that children receive. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do you not know that? Be not deceived. Now look at the people of the world. The fornicators, the idolaters, the adulterers, the effeminate, the abusers of themselves with mankind, the thieves, the covetous, the drunkards, the revilers, nor the extortioners, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Orphans. Excluded. And such were, not such are, Such were some of you, but you are washed. Aren't you glad to be washed in the blood of the Lamb? But you are sanctified. But you are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We're not orphans anymore. 
We accepted the invitation. Jesus took us in. Let me give you one more thing before I invite you to the altar today. The word father in the Bible, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, is used 979 times. What do you think God is trying to say? But here's something you don't know. The name of Jesus is used only in the New Testament. Want to take a guess? 983 times. What's the connect here? Jesus wants to be your father. He's willing to adopt you and make you a son or a daughter and give you a family, a family that will love you and care for you and look out for you. I can't say it any better than that. Let's stand together. I began by saying you have to be careful about translations that they don't become interpretations. I don't know what Bible you're reading today, but the King James Version reads this way. 14 and one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's what a parent does. They prepare a place for their family. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. So you might feel like Joseph, that you've been in some pits. But I want you to know that at the end of this journey, Joseph ended up in a mansion He was second in command of all of Egypt and Pharaoh said, only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Jesus is saying, I've not only prepared a house, I'm preparing a mansion. There's a big difference between a house and a mansion. It's a big step up. So if you're going through some pits, Remember that the pinnacle is to be with Jesus forever and ever. And all that God wants from you is brokenness and emptiness. Listen to what he also says about heaven. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Prepared, that's what he's doing. He's preparing for your arrival to your new residence. So if you're in a pit right now, don't forget your dreams and forget your visions. Stay right where God has planted you. Luke 4 and 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Watch what the comforter 
said he came to do. I'm anointed to preach the gospel to who? The poor. He sent me to heal who? The brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to who? To the captives. The recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Sounds like a God who really cares about his own and wants to comfort and minister to them. I'm so glad that this salvation is inclusive. It's for everybody. Somebody say amen. This salvation is for everybody. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. And then later it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. This is inclusive, folks. God is reaching out to the orphans. We need to extend a hand in the form of an invitation or a welcome when they get here because that's what we were years ago. Jesus, I pray today that this church will be an orphanage for the orphans, a house of God to the family of God, that we will be your people and extend what you told us that you would extend in Luke 4 and 18. Help us to be people that care about people that are less fortunate, less blessed than we are, especially when it comes to the truth and this salvation message. I pray today if there are visitors here that are wondering how they can receive and be part of the family of God, that they will be willing to be broken so that they can be repaired. That they will empty themselves so that they can be filled with you. And I pray most of all, Lord, that you will come. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.